and welcome to the next episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films, filmmaking and film theory. In each programme, we'll focus on a particular movie. We're going to review it, talk about it and discuss some of the ideas, be they filmic, be they cultural, uh, that it throws up. And we'll always end with recommendations for films to watch based probably based on that discussion so wherever that discussion takes us in terms of films or wider culture and the links are going to be as close or as tenuous as we want but before all that a question asked is who are we and why should you care so my name is rob mathon i am a filmmaker i've spent the last 10 years or so working in the british film industry um and these days i've retired from the hollywood game and I live in Shropshire, and I take photos, and I write things. My colleague is Sam Dr. Knowles, who is a very well-educated lecturer and writer on critical and literary theory. He writes about movies, he writes about books, he writes about films and everything else kind of culturally that he takes a fancy to. Great. So, this, by the way, my middle name has never been Dr. <laughs> I feel my name's been doctor since about 12, so... <laughs> right. So, this week, Rob, it was your turn. It was indeed. It was my turn. And I chose to go with the very recent film, the 2015 film, The Martian. I guarantee you that at some point, everything's going to go south on you. Ready? And you're going to say, this is it. This is how I end. Commander, Mark is dead. We have to go. Directed by Ridley Scott, starring Matt Damon. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of Sam doing impressions later in the episode. Um, With support from Jessica Chastain, Kirsten Wigg, Sean Bean, Jeff Daniels, Kate Mara. A whole host of people. Oh yeah, I know them. And it details Matt Damon's character, Mark Watney, who is a Mars astronaut who is accidentally left behind on a emergency evac. A Martian home alone, if you will. He then has to, as he puts it, science the shit out of that place to survive however many hundred days till he can be rescued. And then the support are NASA, JPL and his astronauts Sort of rallying around him to sort of rescue him, but it's very much Matt Damon's film, and it's very much he is he's the lead and he is the main character through almost the entire thing. If you don't count Mars as a character itself, Sam, what yes. do you think? Well, firstly, I've been told in no uncertain terms that I can really stop doing that impression now. Um, it's it, <laughs> it's been eight years and it wasn't funny at the time. Um, <laughs> So you won't be hearing from me in, that, in this podcast. Um, so, yes. Good things first. I I thought it was really... I really liked the way it looked, the cinematography, the editing, the acting. It's a, a quite phenomenal cast that you've mentioned there. And they're all, um, with a couple of exceptions, quite like, but... Lots and lots of the main players are, are really on the game here. Um, my problem was that it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Um, 
channeling channeling Rob Gordon Rob Gordon for a minute. Um, I wanted it to be a top five film. Um, I don't necessarily have a favourite mm-hmm. film, but I've got a few on rotation. Um, the Sting for now, I think narrative near perfection. It's always one of my favourite films. Um, Die Hard Two for emotive resonance, and also when I want to wind Rob up. Um, <laughs> the, Such a bad film. the the new Such a bad film. <laughs> yeah, wrong. Um, best Christmas film ever. Um, the new Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig Casino Royale, I really like for the overall spectacle of it. Um, and I also like Empire Strikes Back as possibly like the best example of a film that doesn't end with a happy ending. I, I really like it for that. Anyway, I wanted the Martian to to join that company, and it didn't quite. Um, I was anticipating it, looking looking forward to it. Really, I, I really did want it to be amazing, and well, I I don't know. I think it might have suffered for me um, because of the times when. It got a bit dull, and he was alone on the planet, and I think that might have been the point. So this might be me, mm-hmm. me missing it completely, but I just felt that I really like the the action sequences, the dialogue, particularly because the actors involved are so good. Um, I felt really really gripped by what was going on, apart from the the cheesy, the whole world is looking out for Watney at the end. And when they flip between Times Square and Trafalgar Square, I didn't yes, yes. But in, in general, I thought the the action sequences, the well, I say action sequences. There isn't much action in the certainly in the in the middle act. Um, but the the sequences where things where things happen, um, things happen between mm. the characters. I really like those, and I kind of wish there were more of those. And I kind of got a bit bored by the big, epic, sweeping landscape, which is probably me being a philistine. But, but there you go. Um, I just say we we had we've had amazing seats for this, um, and it, it it was it was incredible. Um, okay, so so the first couple of times seeing Mars and thinking, wow, what's really Scott done here? How has he done it? This is amazing. That was pretty good, but after that, mm. I was just—it just left me a bit cold in the middle. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, well, not one to disagree with you entirely, but I disagree with you entirely. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, in fairness, I don't, I don't, and I'm I. I, have you, I mean, first of all, have you read the book, Sam? I have not. No. Okay. No, I, I I've read the book, and I've been a big fan of the book since it came out. So I went into this with. I suppose similar expectations to you that it was going to blow mm-hmm. me away, having been blown away by the book. And I would say you're right; it isn't a top five film in the way I kind of wanted it to be. But I do think I probably liked it more than you seem okay. to. Okay. I really liked the the stuff that was Matt Damon on the planets doing his stuff. I was less interested in the astronauts and that sort of stuff. I was all about the Matt Damon yes. story. Yeah. Um, I, I I really liked, the f- as we often discussed in this film, 
this is a film that is solved by nobody punching anybody else. Yes, I thought that was that was brilliant. At no point, I mean, I think apart from Matt Damon occasionally punching various bits of technology, there was it was a film that was solved by smart people doing smart yeah. things. It isn't a film. The humor doesn't come from a place of people being dumb or being selfish or mean. I mean, yes, it can be a bit rah-rah science at times. It can be a bit rah-rah humanity. But I like the fact that everybody in this film cares and everyone in this film works hard and is talented and smart. And in in an age which is at the same time very technological, but at the same time very almost anti-science in many ways it was great from my point to see a film that was no actually science is brilliant and science will solve mm. these things for you yeah and I, don't know, I think you're right i think that the the, the acting was top notch i think i mean there were i think jeff daniels was a bit stilted at times yes. um and, and i'm not sure donald glover was from the same film as everybody else <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I did quite like that though. Only he was obviously he, he was obviously obviously from Jurassic World. He wasn't from this film, but mm. I I did quite like it. I I did quite like his sort of Jeff Goldblum esque typing with one hand kind of thing that he, that he had going. Yes, on. and I, I, I like Don Glover, and I like um, that. A character, but in a film that's almost so rooted in reality. I mean, infamously, all the science in this film is mm. real. The only the only leap they made was that spacesuits get more and more flexible, and you can get in yourself. And and also, the atmosphere on Mars wouldn't have allowed that storm to take place. That that was one thing that yes. Andy Weir said. Okay, we'll we'll have this at the beginning. Um, but like, the Rich Pinnell manoeuvre is a is a genuine manoeuvre that you could have done. And Mar- um, the writer, Mar- um, Andy Weir, did work out the relative distances of Earth and Mars. And so he knew exactly when it is um, and all that sort of stuff. So the, the science is good, mm. but his character felt like a, like, a, like a... He's a super hacker. Look at him with his weirdness and his, and his chalk, chalk, chalkboard on the wall. And for some reason sitting in a server room mm. with the servers rather than, you know actually using networks, which I'm sure for JPL yeah, has why, networks. Why was he um, doing that? It was never explained. In in the real world, you use supercomputers to check all the maths of your calculations. Why he was sitting in the server room being cold with a USB, yeah. I have no idea. And I think that's where sometimes I, I, I lost my love of the film. Well, as you say, something's just got a little bit tropey. The shots at the end where the world rallying round by money. I mean, I grant you, in a situation like this, I'm sure the world would be watching. If we left a guy on Mars, the world would be watching. Mm. But it was a little bit like, well, here's a shot of London, and here's a shot of Russia, and here's a shot of France, that we've seen a thousand times. And the Rich Pennell character at times also felt a bit like, well, they needed a, a slightly weird hackery guy, so they went put him through these same tropes rather than mm. reality, if you see Actually, what I'm you don't... But on the whole, I really that, liked it. That made me think of um, the bookmarking of World War Z. Actually, the the use of I mean, in in it was done much better in in World War Z with the, the use of fake found footage and sort of news broadcasts mm. and things like that. I think that was a a much better handling of it than this sort of. Stock, as you say, this is a shot of Paris. This is a shot of people looking tense mm. in in New York. 
Whereas the the way that they did it in World War Z, it felt much more real. It felt much more. This is the way that twenty four seven news networks would handle an event like this. Exactly, and I think I mean, there's always going to be an element in films where you have exposition by news reporter. So where they, 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 you have a, the scene where they talk to the camera and that explains to you what's mm. going on, and that, that is a, a, a whilst being a trope, also is a useful tool in films. Um, but at times, I felt this film strayed towards that. But on the whole, I left it really enjoying the film, and and really loved. It. I mean, and I thought it had the right balance of humour. And I think Matt Damon has detractors across the board, but I thought that he brought that right mix of steely determination and mm. humour. And to move into spoiler territory a little bit, right at the end when he's rescued and he's caught by Jessica Chastain, um, at the, the, his, his final spoiler, he survives. There's a moment there where in a less film it would have been tears and, oh my God, you saved me and that kind of thing. But in this film is, you have terrible taste yes. in music. Yeah. And it was just like, that. that felt to me... Like where you actually like you like Mark, you genuinely like Mark, and you want him to survive, and I think that helps. In the film, there are two or three times in which things go badly wrong for him. Mm. In the book, there are probably two or three more where it goes wrong, and you genuinely want him to do well because he's such a nice bloke. I think the the book does the same trick where they don't have a backstory for him. You don't really know much about Mark beyond where he went to university and that he has parents. And that helps you to kind of project at times onto him. Like his his blank slateness means that we all kind of like, you know, I can see him in me and me and him, that mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. I was... But I think that... Sorry. Go, go, no. oh, I, I was... Uh, after, after, you. after you. I was thinking that there was something else about... Um, you you mentioned the the moment with um, with Madame and Jessica Chastain at the end. Um, I was thinking of another moment with Rini Mara and her squeeze, um, and you kind of see you see the beginning of their relationship, where he's going mm. out to do something dangerous and she kisses him on the outside of his helmet, and. It it's that was one of the most moving things in the whole film, but it's it's ridiculous because that that's the sort of thing yes. that would happen in real life, and there's there was no there was no um, sort of straying into into Hollywood territory, and you saw them like getting together in some other way in the spaceship. That that was the the one moment of tenderness between them you saw. And then you saw where their relationship had gone later, much later. Um, but I thought that was that was really well handled, and that's along the same lines as as that um, you have terrible taste in music line. This felt this felt real. Yes, and I think that's one of the big sellings of the film. One of the big sort of marketing pushes is that it is real. That the maths and the science mm. is real, and I think that they, they did well. That I think that there's a lot of little things like that in the film where. Almost all the characters, even the bit part back in NASA, felt like rounded characters. I think that's the power of having such good actors or such actors in these roles, is they all felt like a real person. You could tell the difference between the different bureaucrats at NASA. You know, that Je- Jeff Daniels' character was clearly a different person to Sean mm. Bean's character, who was clearly a different person to Benedict Wan's character. And you, you 
they all had and it was all kind of done in like really small little ways where you're like oh no I get that's a different person it never felt like a a blank faceless wall of techies which often these films can sort of devolve into hmm yeah that was it one one thing one of the things I didn't like about the acting and I would agree with you actually Jeff Daniels was at times a bit sort of falling into his hammy role as head of heaven he seems seems to have entered a period of his life where every role he plays is just head of an American agency um one sort mm. or another and I thought he he just felt like he was coasting sometimes um the other thing I didn't like was Sean Bean really and I couldn't understand why he was there because you had the brilliant Chuatlo year for putting on a, a an exemplary American accent. Why did there have to be an Englishman? This this is my point. Um, and I wasn't sure. I knew, I had it, had it put to me afterwards that actually this is a so this is a sign of the global nature of NASA and the the mm. harmony of space exploration and things like that. And you you would have an Englishman as part of this team, just like you had. Well, you, an, an American, but you had a sort of a Chinese American with Benedict Wong and showing from from different cultures coming together, and just as you had with with the Chinese government helping out. Um, but mm. I just wasn't I wasn't sold on Sean Bean at all. I I, I will forgive his presence simply based on the uh, the Lord of the Rings joke <laughs> that they made. Uh, that, that to me was awesome enough that I, I, I will forgive the presence. But. I, I, I do see what you're saying that he, I mean, like, I, I like Sean Bean, but he has a certain personality and, and style he brings to a character. Mm. He, he, he is infamously rough around the edges. He is that kind of you know, burly man's man character. Mm. And I'm all up for actors trying to play with that, but he didn't seem to play with it. He just kind of played the same character and we're supposed to buy that he's this flight commander of, of, of NASA. And obviously burly men can be that kind of like commander but at the same time you're like he seemed out of out of sync with uh the other characters like vincent kapoor and teddy sanders mm. yeah um just i mean we won't dive into it too much but it is worth noticing that um vincent kapoor played um brilliantly in the original film is called he it's a much more indian sounding name right I'm just trying to think. Okay, um, and there, there, a few of the characters in the film have changed race. Mm. Um, in, I mean, and I, in which direction are we talking about? In, in all directions. Uh, it, 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 Donald uh, Donald Glover's character, Rich Pennell, uh, wasn't um, African American in the book, but Mackenzie Davis's Mindy Park was clearly a, a, a Korean American in the book. Oh. So the, it has been has been changed away and like part of me is like that's brilliant they clearly went for who's the best person for the role put them in that role mm. um and that's i think that's wonderful but i think we've anyone who's into films has certainly been burnt by that in the past and you always a bit like hmm whenever that kind of stuff happens which i'm sure is a knee-jerk reaction and a bad one at that but it's it was notable that they have done this so on on balance i'm like fair enough they've kind of gone with the best character for the actor for the role brilliant um but i'm sure there has been an outcry from various quarters about that mm. but it's not something i want to get into because i don't overly agree with it but i do think that there is a 
this does buy into a larger sort of idea of what I'll tentatively call solo survival movies. Mm. Yeah. Um, of and there have been these through almost every genre of the world over. But the idea that there's one man against the elements. So like you haven't really got a antagonist. I mentioned earlier that Mars was kind of a character in the film, but it isn't. It isn't antagonist in the traditional sense. It isn't doing anything to try to kill him or hurt him. It's just the obstacles you overcome. Yes, that's, um, that's the thing the, that he makes. He makes a point of saying that the Mars isn't the enemy. This is not what. And the the enemy is the mm. fact that I'm a human in the wrong place. Yes, I think the obvious touchstone for a lot of this, and this making up later in some recommendations, is um, is Castaway. Um, Castaway. I, I, I was wondering how how long is it? I was wondering how long it would be before you mentioned that film. Well, I, I like the film. I like the film. I like it. Um, I, I haven't brought in the recommendation for next week later on, but that obviously is another big one recently that was like one man by himself. And whilst there was other actors at the start and the end, it is about one guy overcoming things. It's about him just kind of sciencing out how to get out. So he builds, I mean, it's a lot less sciencey, but he builds himself a raft he copes with the um, he builds fire it's much more kind of amateurish but it's all about how he copes and i think that mm. the martian doesn't do a lot with kind of emotional how it affects him mentally there's a few jokes here and there about ketchup and that kind of stuff but you don't see that big breakdown in the way you do with castaway yeah that was that was something that felt a bit grating was that his Breakdown in inverted commas appeared to be confined to about uh, five five minutes where he grew a beard and insisted they call him Captain Blogbeard, yes, because he was a pirate, and that that was all all the the mental instability he had. He was very strong in inverted mm. commas up until that point. Uh, I think the part of this comes from maybe the American heroization of. Of of astronauts as a as a breed apart, you know, as as in you know that kind of idea that the astronauts are the best of us, and I'm not saying they're not. I'm not that, 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 uh, to be an astronaut certainly is you have to be the best, the best, the best, and all that kind of stuff. But I do think there's this idea in America that astronauts are these unflappable, unkillable, un uh, unstoppable forces of of, of humanity. And I think that's why mm. you probably get a lot of these kind of man alone ones tend to be in space or woman alone ones obviously the other one recently is gravity mm. um there's another single actor in space overcoming the odds of um i think whereas i think there's an inherent difference between something like gravity which is much more of a survival story whereas this is much more of a science story like, like with sort of the two sides i see often with these of these solo films is one some are about surviving the instant so something like 127 hours where a man gets trapped by his rock it's about him surviving that the experience that he goes through and survives it and then mm. you think of a martian and possibly i think of another film that's like maybe maybe into the wild where it's actually about working out how to overcome it it's more of a, a film about the process rather than the experience hmm I think yeah. that these solo films can fall into those two categories times, and that's something you get. Um, well, more, more. Well, actually, you've already cut up the spoiler that he survives. So the, there's something that that this film does right at the end is show Watney passing on his knowledge of 
having survived that to mm. others. So the fact of having survived the experience of, of what he's gone through is is something that, that he he passes on to others at the end of the film, and that's important to him. I think it is, it is as, as a bit of interest, that was one of the bits that was added from the book. The book ends as he gets aboard the Hermes. Right. So everything, everything back on Earth after in the book is an edition of the screenplay. Mm. Uh, which I think, I, given it was originally released as a serial story, week on, week off, as it were, mm. I totally get why it ended there in the book, but I also completely understand why you've got that extra coda on the film to kind of yeah, title I, to I, I really liked that in the film. I... I did like the way it tied it together at the end. And I think, I mean, in the books he has, because the book's a lot more his kind of video diary, and he has that nice mm. speech at the end of the book where he talks about humanity coming together and overcoming stuff, and they kind of transpose that onto his speech in the um, in the classroom. But no, I, I for, right. for a big addition to the book, and uh, being a big book fan, I was very happy with that kind of addition on the end. I thought it really, mm. really worked. Yeah. That's that's another. Well, I suppose, again, we've been looking at a series of films recently where you play around with source material in different ways, mm. and that can be something that that works in the book, and you have to find a new way of presenting it in a film. Um, and that goes back to what I was saying last week that I find tiring the argument about it not being as good as the book because it's a different thing and you should rejoice in the fact that you can do different things in this new medium yeah i, I would completely agree i think like one of the big adaptions of our time was uh, the watchman adaption and i'm a big big fan of that comic book but i wasn't a big fan of the film and it's because they didn't do anything interesting with it as a film as opposed to being a live action comic okay. and and I think I'm, I'm sure I, I, I haven't seen the film at all. That uh, passed me by. It's the, the the Watchmen film. It's it's pretty and it's good, but it is literally a they almost used. The, I imagine they did use the comic book as a storyboard, and oh, right. it's a fine adaption. But it's I'm not sure if I've read the comic books, which is certainly superior. Why I would watch the film, mm. uh, oh, right. but we may cover that at some point. So I think yeah. that's. So Sam, have you got any recommendations for our, for our listeners of films to go forth from here to watch? Yes. Now, <clears throat> the first of these, um, I'm not going to recommend the whole film, um, possibly because Rob might explode, um, but also because I don't think the whole film is particularly relevant, even though it's, it's ostensibly about the same thing. I would just recommend the section of Interstellar that focuses on Matt Damon because it's a it's really interesting to compare the character that Matt Damon plays as the doctor in, in Interstellar with when he he turns his attitude completely turns um to the character that he plays in the Martian. So I think that's that's a really interesting one. Fair enough. But I won't dwell too much on it for the sake of Rob's blood pressure. Um, <clears throat> my second recommendation is um, a film I haven't seen in about 20 years. Um, it's a film of um, my favourite book. Um, and it's completely different from the book. But as we just established, that can be a good thing. 
um, it's very. I remember it at the time being a very interesting film. It's actually Mingella's adaptation of *The English Patient* by Michael Ondaatje, um, and that the sweeping vista, the introduction of lots of desert scapes, is something that is done particularly well by Mingella. And I'd be interested to go back and see what he does with that, um, and compare it to the the scenes of the deserts here that were well they were filmed i'm just looking it up filmed in jordan and hungary which seem to be the two places that you types go to film films um that's true but right um but uh they reminded me me very much of that that desert landscape Fair enough. Well, I I, I I toss around a couple of ideas for recommendations and an early front runner that I'm not going to make one of your recommendations, but if we're checking out is Apollo 13, obviously true story, trapped in space, same sort of process. The two that mm. I'm going to go with for recommendations, the first of all is a 2009 film called Moon. This stars Sam Rockwell, Kevin Spacey. It is directed by Duncan Jones and it's about a solo miner on the moon coming to terms with his with his loneliness and I mean it's much more kind of thrillery and mystery than than like a survival film but it is basically one guy carrying almost the entire film by himself in in space it's probably more well known than my first my, my second recommendation my second one is the 1972 film Silent Running Silent Running. Right. <laughs> have you heard of Silent Running, Sam? No, I have. Yeah, yeah. They, that that wasn't wasn't a derisory laugh at all. That was a oh. that was a laugh of recognition. I, I Fair wasn't expecting that to come from you, but I'm I'm glad it did. Yeah. So, uh, Silent Running basically is set in the far future. Uh, Earth is extinct. There is a ship traveling through space, manned by Bruce Dern and some drones and some robots. That is the last of humanity's plants and he is ordered to destroy it and it's about him a defying that order and that whole process of him by himself with these robots in this sort of the last human plants in 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 the universe basically um and how when people turn up to rescue him it goes it goes darker than the martian but it's a brilliant film mm. and it's one that I've seen a couple of times and I really dig it. And it is, I mean, I've got a list here of a book of, of films to cover at some point in the podcast and it is on that list. At some point we may we may go there. Okay. But that's my recommendation for this week. Oh, right. Well, actually, I've just remembered another one. Based on your last one there, I would just say, and it's it, it's completely off the wall, but... You've just reminded me of it. There is the fantastic Pixar film Wall-E, which is just brilliant, and it says a lot of the same things, well, a lot similar things about space travel and about being ecologically friendly and maybe about saving the human race. So, it wasn't wouldn't say this a, a companion piece to the Martian at all, but I just wanted to throw that in there. I love that film. Well, not wishing to start another fight. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Uh, but then I have no soul, as we've often discussed. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> cool guys if you um, want to check us out on Twitter you can find us both at Prestige Podcast you can find just me at life underscore academic and you can find just me Rob at Rob Kaiju and we should uh, talk about it next week we should Sam yes what are you so this <clears throat> next week we are watching a film that is entirely out of my comfort zone in the type of films I normally watch I would never want to watch something from this genre normally but I have heard great things about it and I've heard of it being one of the best films to come out at the end of last year um, so I'm interested to have a look at the recent film The Babadook Oh, interesting I haven't seen The Babadook um, so I'm intrigued to see that excellent cool Guys, to, to to be emotional and heartfelt for a moment, this is our twenty fifth episode of of our podcast, and hurrah, this we is survived. A, we survived. At this point, we're, 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 our our podcast is a, is a young adult going out into the world. He's left university. I think that both Sam and I started this podcast something fun for us to do. Um, we we've been friends for about twelve years, twenty years. Um, <laughs> and it was this was our our, our, our film discussions uh, on a podcast. And it's been great to do it, and so it's kind of from my point of view, I just want to say thank you for the guys out there who are listening because it's been it's been great fun doing it. It's been great to see guys out there kind of liking it and, and listening to it and kind of being part of that. So from my point of view, a big thanks to you guys. And I would echo that. It's been brilliant. As Rob said, we started it as something that something fun that we wanted to do. Um, those of you who know Rob will know that he just tends to start new stuff if he gets bored, <laughs> which he does every five minutes. Um, but it's been a testament to how much we've enjoyed doing it and um, how much other people appear to enjoy it that we've, we've carried on with that. So, uh, yes, here's to 25 more and then we'll be middle-aged. Indeed, indeed. All right, guys, we shall see you all next week. See you then. Bye. Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr. Arr.